What's up, everyone, and welcome to Roots of Humanity, a podcast that celebrates the beautiful people and culture of our world. My name is Drew Binsky. I'm a world traveler and content creator who has spent the past 12 years traveling to all 197 countries in the world. In today's episode, I will be chatting with my longtime friend, Christina Pascucci. We've actually known each other since I was teaching English in Korea back in 2013. Christina is one of the main news anchors for KTLA, the biggest news station in Los Angeles. She's also a licensed pilot, a scuba diver, and a hardcore traveler. In this episode, we will be diving deep into Los Angeles culture and also hearing about her heritage as an Italian, German, Jewish, and Christian American. If someone can share that with a parent and go and see their roots with them, I think that is such a tremendous gift. Thanks for tuning in and let's get into it. Christina, tell me about your your family background. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I think family background is fascinating. You can tell so much about us that we've forgotten or didn't even realize existed as part of who we are. I didn't know till I was 21 or 22 that I'm Jewish, for example. And it's a crazy backstory. My grandma, my mom's side, she was Jewish and she lived in Munich, Germany during the Holocaust. And we believe she basically denounced Judaism to survive. And my mom raised me Christian because she was put in with nuns after the war and they helped raise my mom in Munich, Germany. So I don't know. I think it's a cultural difference of how they like to share things versus how we like to be more open maybe and talk about everything. But she just casually mentioned it, I think during a Christmas or something in my early twenties and dropped that bomb on me. And so, you know, it's been a, a period of exploration ever since. And I still have my Christian values, but I also have a rabbi who actually came to see me today when I was out in the field reporting as the Jewish holidays are coming to an end. Yeah. So there's that. And then on my other side, there's Italian and um, Czech. And I just got the 23 and me back and the percentages of what I thought I am are all off. What is it? Share the main insights. I'm 70% German and French. And I didn't even think French was a big part of who I am. And so it's actually now telling you even, you know, like the regions that you come from, or it thinks you're, I forget what the term it uses is, but it's like your, your maternal background all the way back to your original ancestor. Have you heard of this? <laughs> yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. I mean, it's mind blowing to me that they think that they could pinpoint at what point your DNA goes back to 15,000 years ago. Completely mind blowing. I've never done one of those tests. I'm going to do it soon. I have a feeling I know what I am, but as you said, it's different. I'm, I'm almost all European, Eastern European and fully Jewish, but who knows? Maybe I have like, did you have any percent African? Yeah. A very, very small percentage. One percent or something. Yeah. I forget um, what the exact was on that. And then, you know, my last name's Italian and that's actually probably the smallest percentage of anything. I don't know. It's, it's funny because we rely on the people who are alive in our family now to tell us our truth. (laughs) And what if they just leave something out or what if they, there's something they're trying to forget from their past and, you know, and they cut off that part of your identity. What generation American are you? First. Oh, your parents came from Europe or your grandparents? My mother came from Germany. Yeah. She was born and raised there. I didn't and, realize. Cool. Yeah, she has a thick accent. Christina. Really? <laughs> so your mom is born in Germany and your dad is born where? He's American. He was born in Chicago. Okay. And then he, my grandfather was kind of part of like the Italian mafia, so I'm told. And so they were in Chicago. And then after that, I think they were running from something. But this is another thing that I haven't, my family hasn't been completely clear about. And they started moving west. 
so then they were in Arizona and uh, or Colorado, Arizona, Nevada. Um, they just started moving all over. Don't you wish you knew more details about that? Yes, my grandfather passed when I was three, and I wish wow. I could sit him down and say, like, Grandpa, what's yeah. the deal? And you hear the stories from the perspective of my grandmother, but uh, I would have loved to have heard it from his perspective because I think he was a very uh, wild, adventurous man. I think you just nailed a huge point is like hearing stories from people that are alive because once they pass, not all, not all of it is recorded. Like my grandfather passed April 1st, a few months ago, um, but he was in World War II in Palau. I don't know if I've told you or not because I know you have a, a, a love for Palau. He was in... Um, Pelilu, and he, he got shot in oh, the yes. He got shot oh, in the knee in Pelilu, and he has very vivid memories of going there on Orange Beach, is what it was called, I think. And told me exactly what the scene was like. And I actually recorded it. Um, he told me this a few months ago, everything, the whole story. And then he passed. And then I went to Palau, and I rewalked his footsteps. If I hadn't have asked him, all I would have known is that he fought in Palau, and that's it. But he was telling me stuff of like. There was a three-story building that was the Japanese headquarters. And I went to that building and it's still there in pieces. But like, I just, you know, I get the goosebumps. So like, it's it's really important to like have conversations with our grandparents and great aunts and uncles because it's not all recorded. Now, my whole life is recorded on YouTube. So <laughs> it, when I'm a grandpa, like my grandkids can look and be like, oh, I know exactly what he did every day. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's a really good point. That was kind of a side note. So well, that's really interesting. Something that you bring up is that they can just go through your YouTube videos and see kind of the trajectory of your life and how it all started yeah. in the beginning. But theoretically, any of these platforms could just take their platform off. Good and I, I kind of think about that, how people are using these to, to document their history, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, yeah. and, the, and any of them really one day could just pull the plug and say, we're out. Good and point. I think a lot of people would freak out. For that reason, I have a, on my hard drive all my videos, so then I have them. <laughs> but you're right. That is kind of scary to think that what if it went away? What if there was a big scandal at Facebook and then they had to like shut down? That would be crazy. Without warning. Yeah. Without and warning. You're the most organized person, I think. Um, and, well, you probably have to be having been to all the places you've been to, <laughs> but you also have a memory unlike anyone I've known. Yeah, I have a really vivid memory of like where I've been and, and what I've done. But I think so do you. Like if I tell you a country you've been to, you know everything that you've done there. That's true for the most part. Yeah. And it's you remember your encounters with people and usually it's connected to an emotion. Let's dive a little bit deeper into your, your cultural identity. So what do you culturally identify as um, aside from American? And what does it mean to you to have these like really strong Italian and German roots? Like how does it make you feel? It's a really crazy time to think about identity for so many reasons. Being an American and um, being a white woman, you know, frankly, after the reckoning um, of the past year, the racial reckoning and, and Black Lives Matter and everything, it's just, it's made me reflect on that even more than I already did before. And so I have an identity, but I also see this kind of like unity of humanity where we all want the same things. And having traveled to about a hundred countries, not as many as you, but I mean, that's always the common thread is that people want to love and be loved. Mm -hmm. And there's so much more good than bad. That's why storytelling, I think is one of the most important tools on the planet. But when I think of my identity and how I identify overall, being German was a big part of my upbringing um, with the food that my mom would make and the different traditions we'd have at Christmas. Being Jewish, finding that at my early 20s and then going on birthright 
cool. that created a whole other kind of pocket of my identity that I, I didn't know existed. Talk, talk and, about birthright for people that aren't familiar, because I've been on birthright too. So birthright is basically when people who are Jewish can go to Israel for free. It's paid for by um, Jewish people of Jewish descent from around the world. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there's anything you want to add to that, but you see all the different historically significant places throughout the country. It's Israel just really pushing hard for Jews to come and, and explore their background, their history, and just learn about the religion. And so, yeah, you have to like submit that your mom, it has, it's only your mother, you know, that it, it doesn't matter right. about your father. So right. in your case, it's great because your mother is, has Judaism or Jewish background. Yeah. So you can go, it's like a one or two week trip. I went in 2009 when I was 18. Oh but my yeah. gosh, so young. <laughs> it, it was really cool. And, and it's a special opportunity to, to go there. That was actually my very first trip overseas was to Israel. That was a fascinating experience getting through the airport security and everything. Oh my God. Nightmare. And I, I think they also really want um, Jews to procreate. Yeah. Did you know that they're talking you, about that? If you marry someone that you met on birthright, they pay for your wedding. Did you know that? What? You didn't no. Know that. Yeah, it happened to my friend. My friend oh Corey my went on birthright and he met a girl named Rachel, I think, and they got together um, and they birthright paid for it. Wow. I ended up dating my boyfriend on and off for seven years who I was with on birthright. So had that worked out, wow, <laughs> that would have been a nice perk. <laughs> That's incredible. So aside from Judaism, like I'm assuming you've been to both Italy and Germany. Have you traced the roots? Have you gone to the cities where your mom and dad are from or your grand- grandfather or grandmother? Do you feel something special? Do you feel connection to the land when you go there? Absolutely. Munich, Germany was so magical. And then I went with my mom one of the times and she transformed into this giddy little like schoolgirl almost. She was just giggling and she was so excited to share part of her heritage with me and you know where she grew up, where she went to school, memories she had in certain places. It was really beautiful to see that and share that. And if if someone can share that with a parent and go and see their roots with them, I think that is such a tremendous gift. Absolutely. In terms of um, my my other roots, because I, I do also have my grandmother. They actually were from Czechoslovakia. Nice. And they there's a little town that I know of, but I haven't been What's to yet. I was about to say the name is eluding me right now. I can't remember. Um, it's it's something you would probably never hear of. I, I spent I lived and, in Prague and I spent a lot of time in Czech Republic. Oh really? Yeah. Ah, so maybe you would. Do you did you grow up with like eating certain like German foods that your mom would cook? What what are those foods and like or celebrations or or things like that? We had the advent calendar every Christmas. Um, we had what she called potato pancakes, which like is latkes. <laughs> Not knowing her history, I'm like, mom, these aren't potato pancakes. <laughs> They're latkes. We have to talk about travel because you're like one of my coolest travel friends. You've been so many places, and and obviously everything I do in the world revolves around travel. What are some of the cooler places that you've been that have just fascinated you? <laughs> Um, and where are some of the places that you want to go? Oh, I want to go everywhere. Well, you, I think, you know, I was on a short list to go to the moon. Did you know that? I knew that. That is somewhere I want to go desperately. I want to go to space. And there were a million people. And then I was the top 0.02% or something like that, um, to go with SpaceX and they're choosing eight people. I got the email that I wasn't chosen, but I'm still so grateful even that we live in a time where, you know, this is a reality. And I think that you and I, if we both wanted to, could go to space in our lifetimes because it's becoming more and more accessible, just like 
technology did where you had a computer that filled a room and now you know we can be have these chips in our blood cells and in terms of cool travel experiences i just went to alaska and i know that's maybe not like the craziest place but it is pretty crazy in in its own right in a sense because it's this vast wilderness that's bigger than texas california montana it's it's it made the us 20% bigger when it was purchased and I think 1867 or something, it became the 49th state. And everyone thought it was a huge mistake that America did it, but it's so big and so rich in resources. They soon realized it actually wasn't a mistake at all. Um, and they got it for two cents an acre or something like that. So uh, when we were there, we were exploring the wilderness and we took this helicopter ride to these hot springs that are only accessible by either helicopter or 10 mile hike. And my friend's a fire dancer and a performer around the world. And so she did this fire dance like very safely in her own way. She knows all the safety protocols. And so then we were at this cabin in the middle of nowhere watching the northern lights with not a light in sight besides the lights dancing in the sky. And I, I think and having amazing conversation just, you know, with five of us. And I think moments like those are when you kind of pinch yourself and think what is life (laughs) so you're 20 years old you find out that you're jewish how did you identify did you like start reading the torah did you watch movies did you start studying hebrew what did you do the first thing i did was well i did start researching and i started asking my friends more questions because growing up in a city called calabasas Uh, which was sadly made famous by the kardashians but no one knew when i was growing up it has a huge jewish population And so I had already been going to Shabbat dinners and celebrating Passover with friends and past boyfriends. So then I I went on birthright and I I fell in love with a Jewish guy and I learned a lot more through him. And then I got a rabbi (laughs) who is so passionate about Judaism. He is relentless in, I mean, he'll call me every week. He's making sure I'm invited for Shabbat dinner. He's celebrating the holidays with me. He's sending me his sermons. So he has been such a blessing. Uh, And even today he came and I forget what it's called again, but we did the dance. We we celebrated the end of the Jewish holidays. So he makes sure that I know about the traditions. And it's something I'm I'm thinking about now as I want to have my own kids in the future. I want to make sure that they learn all that I really didn't learn in my childhood. And, you know, there's certain bits and pieces I remember, but I think just knowing them having that gift of knowing more about their heritage and what they come from and what their grandmother or their great grandmother went through, my grandma as a Jew during World War II in Munich, Germany. I wish she was alive. I'm so sad. I can't talk to her and say, what was going through your mind? Like, did you, you fear for your life? What happened to your friends? How did you choose what to do? I just have so many questions for her. And I know my mom said that after the war, if she heard heavy footsteps, she would shudder, like, you know, like freak out because she thought it was footsteps of soldiers. She was having flashbacks or something. Was she in a concentration camp? No, she somehow avoided it. And that's a piece of my history that I don't understand. You, you, know, don't, like, you don't have any information on how she avoided it? Just that she denounced Judaism. She totally separated herself from it. That's all that we know. Um, what her last name was? Meyer. My, that's a Jewish last name. You my families are Goldbergs and Eisenbergs and all kinds of Jew, Jewish names. Yeah. Um, my grandma, my, my dad's mom recently told me that they're, they're from Augsburg, Germany, which is what, southwestern Germany. It's still Bavaria, which is the same region as Munich. 
her first and second cousins were all killed in uh, Dachau, which is a German concentration camp. Yeah. I don't know where it was, but yeah, it's just like so harrowing to hear stories. Like my grandma, she's still around and she tells me this. She's like, yeah. And then like she got like a letter in the mail that was like from another family member that's like, yeah, all eight of them are like gone. What's crazy about it to me, Christina, is that it's so recent. Like my, my grandma's telling me stories of like her cousins that were in it. It's not like we're talking about even the Civil War, which was way longer ago. And like nobody has recollections from the Civil War or go back to like wars before that. Or, you know, when, when you travel around Europe and, you're, and they're like, oh, this is a 17th century bridge or, or monument. And you're like, cool, but 17th century is already so far back, I can't comprehend it. And that's yeah. why like learning about the Holocaust and going to Auschwitz, it's just like, it hits you way harder because it's just like 80, 79 years ago or something like that. So yeah, that's all I wanted to say about that. That's why it just feels so real. And with that quote, those who don't understand history or know their history are doomed to repeat it. Yeah. And that's why I think it's really important too to understand history, not only for our own heritage, but so that we can be better as a human race. And I was just in Bosnia, speaking of recent wars, you know, 92 to 95, they had that war and you had Sarajevo, which is a major city with hundreds of thousands of people cut off from the rest of the world. And I, I had dinner with uh, a Muslim family who they, um, they were called the Bosniaks during the war on the side of the Bosniaks and they were slaughtered and no one really even talked about it or intervened. And, and that was, you know, how, what year were you born? 91. Yeah, you're like a year old. It was in your lifetime, in our lifetime. What's stopping something like that from happening again? It was, it was because people were, were focusing on their differences rather than celebrating them. And I, I think all of that comes from lack of understanding. And it's like, how can, we un how can we understand one another when we don't even fully understand ourselves? I think that also ties in with because we're Americans and I'm second generation American, you're first generation, but even so we already kind of start losing contact, not me and you specifically, but our friends, people in our circles, like they just identify as American. And I think it's terribly sad that people aren't connected to their family roots. I guess there is there is a push now in, in like society of people wanting to learn more about it and studying languages and becoming more um, fluent and, and like educated on their past. but. I, part of the inspiration behind this podcast is to speak with people and share these stories because that's who we are as people. That's like, how, how, why, why do I look like this? <laughs> why did my grandpa speak German? Why am I Jewish? Like, we should be questioning these things. Why? And at the end of the day, it just makes us more rooted. It gives us better understanding and it makes us all more unified as, as we talk, as you, you just said. So maybe there's anything you want to you know, speak about that. Like, do you agree? Do you think we should all be trying to push ourselves to learn about our family backgrounds? Yeah, I'm so grateful you're doing this and so grateful to you and your approach because I think it's spot on. Uh, with what you just said, it makes me think of President Trump and how he said it's us Americans versus them, the you know, migrants trying to invade our country, when the fact is we are all those migrants. We are all, all of us have family that, unless we're indigenous, we have family that came from other places to come to America for a even better indigenous, life. Even the indigenous, I've been told and studies have said they've come from like Asia, Eastern Asia, they crossed over like through like Russia, Alaska, and they came in that way. Um, yeah. The Inuits or, or even the, the indigenous. And even in the Pacific, this is also a side note, in the Pacific Islands, they, they started from Taiwan. 
and they migrated south from Taiwan. And that's why they a lot of them look a little more Asian because they are Asian. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> they come from Taiwan. And so that's that for me, that's just like the most fascinating thing. And as I keep traveling, I keep learning about like, why do people look like this? And why do they act like this? And in Madagascar, of all places, a quarter of all Malaga people from Madagascar are Indonesian, a quarter. Did you know wow. that? And when, when you go there, you really see that they look Southeast Asian because not so far in recent history, a lot of Indonesians came there to help. Uh, I think they were brought over as slaves and then they just stayed. And it's just like completely mind blowing because now that for them, it's just so normal. But I was traveling in a big East Africa trip and then I went to Madagascar and I entered a completely new world. And that was just something really interesting. So as travelers, it's something that like is always on our minds. Like Bosnia is a Muslim country. That's also fascinating because in Europe, it's very, very Catholic or there's also a big Jewish population in Europe. And mm -hmm. yeah, once you get to like Kosovo and Bosnia and Turkey and Albania, I believe those are the only Muslim majority countries in Europe. It's fascinating. Yeah, That's I know. I was thinking that when I was there too. There were so many things I, I didn't expect to see. And I, I think you can only see those things when you travel. Um, I, I am always, people ask sometimes, well, what if, I don't know, there's always an excuse to not go travel, you know, but I, even before I started making a little bit more money with work, when I was making barely anything, I saved up all my money and that was my priority. And so I think it's one of those things you just have to prioritize and it really becomes one of your greatest teachers. And, and not only for, you know, reflecting more on yourself and the type of person you want to be, but also just seeing how people are and how they become who they are. And then it helps put into perspective your own culture. And why do we as Americans believe this? Absolutely. You, know? you can't understand and appreciate your own culture until you travel somewhere else and learn about what they think about your culture. If you never leave the U.S. or even let's be more specific, let's say you never leave L.A., it's totally a bubble in L.A., you're totally oblivious to the world. And then you go to other countries and you realize what they say about the US. And then you realize what they think is like American. And it's so, it's so fascinating. And that's why travel is just the best education you can have. And, and, I, and I just can't recommend it anymore to anybody. And it's, it's, also, it's almost a thing where it's like, once you keep traveling, you realize how little you know about the world. And you also realize how much more you wanna see. Because when you go to Greenland and you only visit one city like I did, people are like, no, you go 200 miles west. Those people are like the coolest people ever. OK, yeah. so now, now I know that I need to go 200 miles west of the city that I was in and go back to Greenland. And just like it's a never ending cycle, you know, um, it's so true. I mean, even if you look at America and you think of the different types of people who live in each region, they're so different. And the coast, you know, New York, LA are in their, they are in their own bubbles and worlds. And then you have the vast wilderness of Alaska and indigenous up there. And then you have the Southerners in Alabama and Louisiana who think totally different than a lot of the country. Um, and then, you know, the Midwest and the Northwest. And I don't, it's just, no matter where you go, you're gonna even learn something very different about your, your own. Absolutely. I think the U.S. is fascinating in that sense because there's so many like pockets of cultures. Like I went to Pennsylvania and I spent a day with the Amish people. Oh, I, yeah, I did that too. Yeah, it's, it's in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It's completely fascinating. They don't have any modern technology. They wear very basic clothes. And, and the, the culture comes from Swiss Germany in like the 1700s and 1800s. They came over and they still are living that life. And that is so cool. 
It is. And, and something about uh, keeping culture too, just to think about uh, and bringing up the indigenous again, I, I spent about a week living in Montana cool. and the Northern Cheyenne and reenacting the battle of the little bighorn, which they do every year. They go on their horses on like a 30 mile bike ride and then they charge the hill. This is one of, one of the few battles that they won against the US uh, Army. And it's important because if they don't do things like this, the younger generation is just not caring as much. So they're trying really hard. There's almost an internal movement within that tribe specifically to try to get the younger people to care to preserve their traditions because they're slowly fading away. And you know their identity obviously is so, so important to them. So I think we each are a microcosm of that within our own families. I think that's great what you just said. And it's so cool to see your efforts and your interests and what message you're trying to spread by going to these places. Because like, it definitely takes a commitment to go to Montana for a week and do that. Yeah. How, how many people do you know that would that have done that or that will do that? <laughs> we'll just like get up and go to Montana for a week. I would do that. Yeah. But like, how many other people do you know that would do that? I mean, I think maybe people would say they would want to perhaps, but then just wouldn't do it. And so I wonder what the difference is between talking about it and then doing it. How do you close that gap? That's, that's the great go? mystery. Yeah, you just go. That's why I, <laughs> yeah. that's why I wear just, these, uh, two words across my chest, because I believe that the best moments in life happen when you just go, literally, as simple as it sounds, when you just be spontaneous. There's never been a bad thing that's happened to me from being spontaneous. It's always just challenges you, introduces you to new people, new cultures. And like, in the end, it always works out. And if it doesn't work out, then I'm sorry, I just gave you the wrong advice. But me, <laughs> I you, agree with that too. Yeah, you can use me as an example. Everybody's like, how have you not been mugged, robbed, shot at, or attacked? Or how is none of your social media followers taking advantage of you? Because I always meet up with them. And I'm like, listen, 99.9% .9 of people are good people. And I, I have a lot of trust in, in you know, local friends I make around the world. And I just go with the flow. And if I'm, I'm, a, I'm an example that nothing bad has ever happened to me, I guess, knock on wood. Of course, I have really good common sense and I have really good judgments of people. I can meet someone right away and like tell their intentions. I know it's like a weird thing to say that. Like, for example, like taxis. Before I get into a taxi, I like have an instinct that I know if like, if I feel something's a little bit sketchy about mm -hmm. that person. I don't know, maybe that's a skill that I've developed, but being spontaneous and just kind of not having a plan is the best plan. Agreed. And I like the filter that you have with your spontaneity though, because like you said, there is an added step that's almost become second nature to you. And I think it's important to tell right. people that because you are filtering through information subconsciously too, based on the breadth and wide experiences that you've had. And that, that, comes, with, that comes with practice. And I do that too with my job. I've yeah. interviewed probably thousands of people. You get yeah. to know human nature really well. Yeah. Traveling, you get to know human nature. Yes. You know when you can embrace someone yes, and, totally. and trust versus when you maybe should be a little bit more wary. Thank you for bringing that point up because I, I skipped over that and it's it's hard for me to speak about that because it does come so naturally. But like, you know, in really basic terms, like I wouldn't walk down an alley at three in the morning anywhere in the world. So that's just kind of like understanding situations that you would put yourself in and how to mitigate and how to like make it less risky. And I've had some crazy encounters I know in travels. I've reported, I think, from all seven continents. And I remember one in particular when I went to Stonehenge in England and we were staying in London and I just, I said, screw it, I'm going to go. But I didn't know any of the logistics or anything. And you think it's, you know, it's the UK. They have right. a really good transport system. No, this was 10 years ago, I guess. And there, the train drops you off, but then there were no taxis. There wasn't Uber back then. 
and I had no way to get to the relics. And so I ended up relying on a nice lady I talked to on the train and her and her husband took me and ended up being this really beautiful bonding experience with strangers. Um, So I think even when things are stressful or don't work out, you can have you know, a beautiful outcome or a learning experience from it too. Christina, if you can say one message to everybody listening in the world, what would you tell them? Be open to learn. And that's really what it comes down to. Um, and, and to walking in another person's shoes and to the notion that maybe your way isn't the right way. You know, I'm just, I'm so inspired by other people and what I learn from them. And I, I feel like I'm continually growing and expanding as a human and a woman because of each person I encounter. So that's what I would say. Very well said. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It was a great conversation. Uh, Let people know how they can find you. Instagram at Christina Pascucci. Twitter is at Christina KTLA. And I'm also on Facebook under the same name. How do you spell Pascucci? (laughs) That's a doozy. It's P-A-S-C-U-C-C-I. Thank you, Christina. Um, hopefully I'm, we're going to meet up soon when I'm in LA and you're the best. Thank you so much. You're the best. Congrats on everything. Thank you. See ya. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast episode. If you feel inspired by this conversation, please share it with somebody who would enjoy listening. And if you're here for the first time, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget to leave a review. Every week, I'm going to be looking through them and highlighting my favorite one. And with that all being said, I will see you guys next week. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.